Psalm 46, for the chief musician, by the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid, even though the earth changes and the mountains are shaken into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and are troubled, though the mountains tremble with their swelling. Selah. There is a river the streams of which make the city of God glad, the holy place of the tents of the Most High. God is in her. She shall not be moved. God will help her at dawn. The nations rage, the kingdoms are moved. He lifted his voice and the earth melts. Yahweh of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come and see Yahweh's works, what desolations he has made in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. It is a cool psalm. Psalm 46, it says, is according to the Alamoth. The Alamoth is a mystery word. It means the virgins or the maidens. So it's very strange to say that this song will be according to the virgins or according to the maidens. So some people think it means the females will sing their song. You know, sometimes you'd have a song in church. I remember when we were kids, you'd have a song and sometimes there'd be like parts for male and voice, female voices or sometimes the worship leader would say, let all the women sing verse one. <laughs> so it could be, this is a song for the ladies to sing. I'm not sure. It's a mysterious word for, you know, it just doesn't kind of fit in the sentence. But anyway, the song starts out by saying, God is our refuge and strength, a present help in times of trouble. And he is. This psalm is the inspiration for Martin Luther's very famous Reformation song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. So if you, especially if you've been, if you go to a Lutheran church, you will have sung this song a lot. But even if you're in a non-Lutheran church, you've probably heard of it. A mighty fortress is our God. Um, I don't know the rest of it, <laughs> but look that one up on YouTube and listen to that. And so Martin Luther wrote that song, and there was a, a period in his life where everything was going crazy, and he said to someone, "Let's sing Psalm 46," and they sang this song. And so um, some people think that this song was written in the time of King Hezekiah when the enemy was attacking and, and everything was terrible and he was able to say, a mighty fortress is our God. Well, maybe it's hard to tell sometimes from these Psalms the exact situation of when it was written. But one thing's for sure, no matter what the situation you find yourself in, the Lord is with you. He is your mighty fortress. Now, some people think that that type of an encouragement means that God must physically rescue you from every problem. So, you know, like Daniel, for example, was thrown into the lion's den and the Lord shut the mouths of the lions and he was rescued. So Daniel, you know, and he probably knew this Psalm 46 and he might have even prayed it. So some people think, you know, here's Daniel praying the words of you know Psalm 46, a mighty fortress is my God, a refuge in time of trouble. And so the Lord delivers him. But then imagine the, the early church, you know, they're being persecuted by Nero. They're being thrown to the lions and all of this. 
And if they pray Psalm 46, a mighty fortress is my God, and next thing they're dead, you know, where's God in that? Well, the truth is that the Lord does deliver those people too. That we're not thinking of the psalm in all of its fullness. And um, you imagine, um, you know, someone that, that walks through the doors of eternity and they're standing mindful of, of their short little life and all, you know, their short little life, which is like a drop of water, and they're looking at the ocean of eternity and uh, they're mindful of the, the huge consequences of all things and there, there's heaven and there's hell and there's eternal punishment and the Lord reaches down and rescues them and sets them firmly in his heavenly kingdom and they speak the words, the Lord is a refuge and a very present help in time of trouble. Now, I will not fear, though the earth gives way. Well, the Lord does completely, you know, though the earth give way, though the waters shake, the Lord has delivered that person. It's so true. It's unbelievably true um, in, in the fullness of every meaning that it can possibly be meant. So, Lord, if Daniel delivers, if God delivers Daniel from the lions physically, he's delivered. But when the early Christians are sent to the lions and they're eaten, they're delivered too. They're delivered in the, in the truer meaning of the sense because they're delivered right into the hand of God. The Lord is with them. And that's why Daniel's three friends are able to say to King Nebuchadnezzar, you know, that they would not bow and worship that false god. We haven't got to the book of Daniel yet. We'll get there. And that's a great book too. But, but even if he doesn't, they said, we will not bow to your false god. So those friends of Daniel knew that there's a greater deliverance and they knew that God was delivering them either way. So there's this psalm. God is our present help. You know, no matter what happens to you, God is with you. And that's why when we get to verse 4, it says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. So it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you're firmly in Christ, you have the joy of the Lord. Now, when the author of the psalm, this psalm wrote this, he was thinking of the city of God was Jerusalem. But the city of God in the New Testament is the people of God. And there's multiple places in the New Testament where this is said very explicitly. I mean, said very clearly in Revelation, where it says the new Jerusalem came out of the heavens as a city. You know, the city of Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, came out of the heavens as a bride dressed for her husband. So the city is the bride. It, it is God's people. It is the body of Christ. It's the holy mountain. It's all of these things. They're all different, like, pictures to help us understand what God's doing. It's the temple of God as well. It's all of these things. In the book of Hebrews, it says that we have not come to a mountain that can be touched, in other words, a non-physical mountain, but we have come to the mountain of God. And then it goes on to say, it's his holy people, it's his city. It goes on to describe it with some of these other terms. So the city of God here, it says there's a river which makes the city of God glad. Well, the river is the Holy Spirit. It's the life of God and the city of God is his people. So God's life comes into his people and makes his people glad. It's the best thing ever. And in verse 7 it says, The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. 
and that's what I was just saying before. In verse 9, it says, He makes wars to cease on the earth. Now that's the gospel at work. As the gospel is at work, it brings peace to people. Of the increase of his government, there is no end, said the prophet Isaiah. And so as Christ's message gets into more and more hearts, the weapons of people are laid down. So there are still wars, yes, but there are a lot less than there used to be. And most recently, when Russia started this war with Ukraine, the whole world was appalled. A hundred years ago, when World War I was in full swing, or, you know, it was just over a hundred years ago, the world wasn't appalled because the gospel hadn't got to that stage yet where people thought war was, they didn't think of war the same way they think about it now. But bit by bit, the gospel is changing the way people think. So now when some people with an old way of thinking start a war, everyone else thinks, why? Well, even non-Christians are starting to think like that. It's the most amazing thing. <laughs> so the Lord's at work in the nations. And in verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. You know, there are some people that think that the world's going to get worse and worse and worse. It, like God's got no power or something. Like the gospel is just going to fail. They think that things are going to get worse and worse. It's going to get to this point that God's just going to have to like rapture all his people because it's like the earth's just gotten so bad, there's nothing else he can do. That's the biggest load of nonsense ever. No, the Bible's so clear right here. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The gospel is supposed to increase. Um, the prophet Isaiah said, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. You know, But those people who think like that, they think there's going to be a decrease of his government and it's going to keep on decreasing until the end. God's got to pull everyone out, like a kind of like escape pod from a dying spaceship. No, it's not like that. Yes, there'll be ups and downs along the way. Like in a battle, sometimes there's twos and fro's, but the Lord will win the war. It's kind of like the stock exchange, which has these ups and downs every day. But if you look at it over 100 years, it always goes up, always goes up. Even though every day the stock exchange is like this, it's kind of like going this, but going up. Sometimes there's a bigger dip, but there's a bigger rise, and then it's, but it's still going up. The kingdom of God is like that. There are sometimes major disruptions. So like the last few years, we've had a major disruption. We've been going through COVID. You know, COVID hit. Churches suddenly shut down all over the world because they couldn't meet. Governments wouldn't let them meet. So that's like a major disruption and it's like a dip. But as a result, <laughs> churches all around the world figure out how to use YouTube and Facebook. And all of a sudden there's more preaching online than ever in the history of the world. Suddenly people are getting saved left, right and center. So there's a rise. Whoop. You can't keep God down. Yes, there are twos and fro's in the battle, but the kingdom of God is affecting more and more people like a terrible disease, except it's a good disease. A disease that changes people's hearts and sets them on the rock, the rock of salvation, so that people come to love Christ. <laughs> and then when a war starts, people are appalled and they start praying about it. It's incredible. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. So, so maybe in the West right now, there's some kind of like struggle against the gospel. And people are saying, oh, what about the old days? 
Well, you know what? There weren't any more people in church a hundred years ago than what there are now. People look on the past and think it was glorious, but they weren't living in the past. There's actually more gospel power now than what there was a hundred years ago. Do your research. Actually go and find out what it was like to sit in a church. I, I think of, you know, I was a pastor at Mount Morgan, for example, uh, for 14 years, and the building that I inherited is a, was a little building. And people say, you know, oh, the gospel is decreasing. It's not a, a, a touching any people. But then I think to myself, hang on, that little building is the original building that was built back in the 1880s. Well, sorry, the building was built in, the, in 1901, but the church started in the 1880s. And I think, why did they build such a small building? If the gospel was having such a powerful effect 100 years ago, why was their building so small? You think about all the church buildings, why are they all so small? It's not like, you know, thousands of people were thronging to know the Lord back then. No. <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is that the gospel's doing just as well now that what it has, but a lot of people have this perspective that things were so wonderful back then and they're getting worse and worse and worse. In truth, the gospel is doing well. Things are increasing bit by bit and the gospel message is actually affecting people so that people are thinking more like Christians now than what they did 100 years ago. It's actually a very, very strange phenomena, but it's strange. So yes, I'm not saying there are no problems. There are still problems. Your prayers are still needed. The gospel is still needed. We need to seek the Lord for power. But the Lord's at work. That's happening too. And the gospel's growing in China. China's going to outstrip America as the most Christian nation in the world very soon, if it hasn't already done it. The gospel's growing in India. You can't believe the effect on modern India that the gospel and the Bible has had. If you go to visit India and you don't know anything, you would think this is a terrible country because it's got so much poverty and crime and stuff and disease and no, you're comparing it with what you know. You're not comparing it with a few hundred years ago before the gospel came. You've got to get your, your facts right, and then you realize, I can't believe what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing right now. It's incredible. Verse 11, the Lord of armies is with us. The Lord of ja God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Selah means think about that. And I would say to you that the Lord is with us. Think about that. 